What's up, guys? Welcome back to Deep Thoughts. I'm your host, Zach, and this is episode 14. <laughs> first things first, I want to apologize to those who only listen to the podcast. I haven't been around much lately, and I apologize. But if you follow the Deep Thoughts podcast on Instagram at DT Podcast 2019, you're aware that I've been very active. I've been making YouTube videos. I've also been very busy with work lately. And yeah, but I'm excited to be back. We have new merch for the Deep Thoughts podcast. It's also available on the Instagram page. Send me a direct message and I'll get you a shirt or a crew neck. $25 for a t-shirt, $35 for a crew neck. Otherwise, this week I'll be producing two episodes to make up for what I didn't make last week. Also, if I sound a little bit slurry or silly, it is because I'm wearing my retainer right now and whitening my teeth. This week I have a couple really cool topics I'm excited to talk about. First things first, there was a guy recently found in New Mexico that lived in a cave for 25 years. Literally, He made his own bedroom, he had a bed, he had a side table, a kitchen, and he lived with his dog for the last 25 years. Granted, the dog probably passed away halfway through, and he got a new dog. But for the most part, this man has been secluded from reality, from America, from the world, for 25 years. That is incredible. I cannot imagine leaving this world, what, in 1995? My entire life, I'm 23 years old. For my entire life, this man has has not seen the evolution of society, the way that technology has impacted us, and even the creation of the cell phone, and how that has changed our lives. What was he doing? Well, he was actually living in this cave to create his own tunnels, to create his own artwork. He spent 25 years making marks in this cave, creating art, and creating sculptures. Now, this is an article recently written by National Geographic, and you can look it up now online or read the article in the magazine. But the the art, the sculptures, these creations that this man created in this cave are absolutely stunning. I mean, it looks like he took 25 years to create them because they are out of this world, really. I mean, if we would have found this cave without knowing that a human lived in it, you would have thought that it came from aliens because it is so perfect. It is so amazing. And I I highly recommend looking it up online. And if you even can, if you're near New Mexico and you're listening to this podcast, please, please, please go check it out. I'm sure you've heard of it. I'm sure it was all over the New Mexico news. It just didn't really hit the national line until National Geographic covered the story. And then I happened to run across it on Reddit. That's number one. That's number one because I just want to acknowledge art. I really appreciate creation, and that's what I I love to do. I love to create, hence why I'm making a podcast, hence why I now have a YouTube channel at underscore Z-H-A-C underscore, that is Zach underscore Zach. And um, I I just appreciate what this guy's doing. I appreciate the fact that he could live in a <laughs> live in a freaking cave by himself for 25 years. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine the security you have to have in yourself to not need someone's recognition for your work, just to know that what you're doing is what you love. 
And it's amazing no matter what anyone else thinks. That is, I mean, he's getting the recognition he deserves now, but not knowing that what you are making is so incredible. And continuing to do it is something I truly admire, and that's why I wanted to start the podcast, like, on this note. Now, the next story I wanted to cover has to do with a story that came out of uh, London. I found it on Reddit last week, and it has to do with a man named John Baldock. He's a software engineer uh, that lives now in London, England. And what happened was, there was a flight coming from Kenya going to London. And as the flight was preparing to land, it opens up its landing gear just like every other plane does because, well, you have to land and we don't want to kill anyone. Tangent. Landing is my least favorite part of flying. It is the most nerve-wracking. I know taking off is difficult just as landing is. However, I've heard um, from other pilots and just Googling it, that landing is the hardest part of flying. And that makes me nervous because we make it through this entire flight. It could go incredibly smooth, but by the time you get to landing, that is the last thing you have to do. It is closing in a baseball game. It is making the final free throw during the NBA finals. It is the most pressure situation that a pilot finds themselves in. And just knowing that, makes me a nervous wreck as we land. I don't get anxious during the flight or when we take off, but those last three minutes as we hit the ground and it jerks you back and forth and you hear the flaps on, the wings go up and the the air resist against it. All those noises (laughs) drive me insane. And I can't believe they can do it. I'm so happy they do it. And I'm flying to San Francisco in three weeks, and I hope they can do it. Knock on wood. It makes me very nervous just to even think about it. But thank you to all the pilots that have successfully made this happen. But anyways, there was a flight landing from Kenya to, to, um, to London. And as they drop the landing gear, a frozen body falls out from the compartment just above the landing gear. And lands in the backyard of our dear friend, John Baldock. The body at this point is dead. It is frozen and it hits the ground at such a high speed that it puts a large crater in the backyard of John Baldock. It's also to the point that this body is frozen so it breaks into pieces and is not even a full body by the time it lands. And John just happened to be in his backyard grilling when this body landed. He said, I thought my house was going to fall down. I went upstairs and looked out the window and I saw the body. So I guess he wasn't outside. I saw John outside. He was shaking and trembling. He wasn't saying anything. He could hardly speak. Oh, my bad. This is the first person perspective of, oh, his wife. Okay. So his wife saw John outside. He was shaking and trembling. He wasn't saying anything. He could hardly speak because he just watched a dead body fly from out of the sky and land in his backyard. Can you imagine? I mean, if a rock fell from the sky and landed in my backyard, I would be incredibly shook. But this man watched a body fall from the sky and land in his backyard, not knowing anything about the context of where it came from. It could have come from an alien ship, and he would not have known the difference in the moment. My husband called the police 
It was horrific. Can you... Um, I can't even conceptualize the idea that a body just falls from the sky. I mean, that's straight out of a horror movie, isn't it? The body nearly hit John Baldwin as he was standing in the backyard. It left such an incredible impact. Um, he didn't even realize what it, be, what it was to begin with. He was asleep, and then there was a huge impact. Well, apparently he wasn't even in the backyard grilling. Rather, he was sleeping in the backyard. Um, maybe he was tanning. The body literally landed one meter away from him and was obliterated. I'm... Oh my god. So apparently what happened is that this body was actually a stowaway. Is what they're calling it at this moment. A stowaway from Nairobi, India. Or India. Kenya. And when... The body climbed into the compartment. They don't know if it was a worker just working in the compartment above there, maybe fixing something and accidentally got locked in that compartment or whether it was actually a stowaway, someone that was trying to make it to London, get out of Kenya for whatever reason it may be. But just knowing the way that planes work and the temperatures in the air, anything that is not in the main cabin where the humans are or where their luggage is, is going to become frozen. We cannot, as human beings, withstand those temperatures because we are so high and going so fast. The air is so cold that you will freeze, and you will freeze to death. They don't believe that this person lasted any more than 15 minutes. Now, once again, that's another terrible way, um, another terrible thing to think about, that dying that way, freezing to death, now, they say you bl he blacked out within the first five minutes, but it would still take 15 minutes for the body to freeze and to die. Oh, my God. Like, I know this podcast is usually funny, but this story just was incredible. I saw it on Reddit. People were talking about it like crazy. And the idea of it just is something I couldn't resist sharing because it was so fascinatingly horrifying. <laughs> So yeah, that's, that's topic number two for today. Now the last topic of this week's episode, or the first episode I'm going to release this week, episode 14, has to do with psychology. And I'm an anthropology major, I may have mentioned it before, but anthropology majors and psychology majors typically do not see eye to eye. We, dip, we typically see the world very differently. But I found this article about psychology so intriguing that I couldn't resist sharing it with you guys today. So what it has to do, or what the title of it was on Reddit, was the 30 greatest psychological quotes of all time. But I also just kind of appreciated the beginning of this. And it says, why is psychology important? It is because it helps us understand ourselves and others better. It helps us understand why our mind and body works in the way it does and how we can better ourselves. It dives into the first quote here with number one. The purpose of psychology is to give us completely different ideas of the things we know best. That's by Paul Valery. The second quote is by Albert Ellis. The best years of your life are the ones in which you decide your problems are your own. You do not blame them on your mother, the ecology, or the president. You realize that you can control your own destiny. When we think about anthropology, it's a study of people and how we interact with one another using culture, and other aspects of our lives to compare, contrast, and understand one another. Now, in comparison to, to anthropology, 
or into psychology. God, I'm fucking dumb. Sorry. In comparison to psychology, it is not blaming others for your problems. Rather, it's blaming yourself. And that's why we cannot separate psychology or anthropology. Because not all problems are your own, but not all problems are the world's. And you can blame on the world. Anthropology points a finger a lot, and we don't look within. Psychology, on the other hand, looks within. And we attempt to understand ourselves and others through the problems that we are experiencing. You do not blame them on your mother, the ecology, or the president. You realize that you control your own destiny. You do not blame them on your mother, the ecology, or the president. You realize that you control your own destiny. Albert Ellis. There is a piece of psychology that I really appreciate, and that is the independence. The way that we can look within, understand our brains, our bodies, to improve ourselves. Because when we understand, we can make improvements. We don't just sit there and wonder and ask the question why, but rather how. How can we move forward? How can we take this knowledge that we now know and change? For the better, for the worse, or whatever it may be, we can change. Number three, it is not primarily our physical selves that limit us, but rather our mindset about our physical limits. Recently, I saw an article actually on Reddit about how many people are going on the journey of Mount Everest and how many people are actually not surviving. They're taking this mindset that this is something they need to try, they need to do, and they need to do for themselves, not for anyone else. It costs a lot of money to hike Mount Everest, and it takes a lot of guts just to even go on that journey because the death rate is so incredibly high. But psychology said it's not primarily ourselves, our physical selves that limit us, but rather our mindsets about our physical limits. People do things all the time that are apparently outside of our physical limits. We break world records every single year in athletic competitions. We create art in caves for 25 years because our mindset allows us to. I don't know what this man's physical health was by the time he came out of this cave. I know he ate. I know he drank. But the fact that he can fall in love with something so much is something that I appreciate more than anything. Number four, everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. I don't like when people lie. It hurts me, and it hurts the others around me. It has taught me so much when I've been lied to. Because when I understand the pain of lying, I understand the pain that I create every time I lie. Our social settings can teach us a lot, but it takes that inner acknowledgement to really move forward and change ourselves. You have to have both to work together. Number five, the truth is Bad things don't affect us as profoundly as we expect them to. That's true of good things, too. 
we adapt very quickly to either. I don't really know how to understand this one. That was a quote by Daniel Gilbert. The previous was by Carl Jung. And when I read this quote, yes, we, when bad things happen, we get caught up in them. We see them as traumatic events. And they are. They are really bad things. I believe that we can see them as bad things and we can see them as something that is an event in our life, but not something that we should forget. Not something that we should want to necessarily move on from, but rather something that has impacted the development and the growth of ourselves. I can't speak for everyone on that because there are things that we can never forget, we never want to remember, and that change our lives for the worst. But is it, also, it is also up to us to acknowledge that we are still here, that we can move forward, and that it's not just our psychological limitations that prevent us from moving forward, but it's also our social settings and who we surround ourselves with. If you put good people in your life, and you allow yourself to grow and change that mindset into more a positive one. You can learn from those situations. You can learn to love the life that that person lived. Or you can learn to love that relationship that you once had. And not remember it as a terrible ending. But rather as a great experience in this journey. Number six. When I look at the world, I'm pessimistic. But when I look at people, I am optimistic. This is by Carl Rogers, and I don't know. I don't know. I do look at the world, I'm very pessimistic because of the genocides in Myanmar, because of the history of death, the history of war that we have seen in this world for so many, what feels like so many years. But when you talk to people on the street, and when you hear the stories of sacrifice, and the stories of fulfillment, and the stories of achievement you become more optimistic I just watched four episodes of Queer Eye in the last two hours hence why this podcast is going up a little later and I saw so many moments of optimism but at the same time I, I don't know how I can see the world in a positive light it is so so fucked up we are so many bad people there are so many bad things that happen every single day. It's hard for me to believe that a, one person, one episode, one story is going to allow me to be optimistic. This is a hard one for me, and I don't necessarily think I can agree. Because I'm such a pessimist, but at the same time, I heard a quote, and I don't remember who said it, and I don't remember why. But it was about pessimism, and it had to do with the fact that we are just wasting energy when we are pessimists. Being angry at the world is not going to move the world into a better space. It's not going to push progression. It is not going to change the situation that we are in. Granted, as a pessimist, I, I don't know how we can move the world to a better place because I'm one person 
in America. And there is an entire world out there where millions of people are struggling and dying and suffering because of the actions that other peoples are taking. Now, I just blamed other people, but when you think about the world's problems, you can't blame yourself either. We're only one person. We are one voice. But when we come together, we can make a difference. We can change ideas, perception, for the better. Granted, America as a whole right now is very divided and and sees the world in a very different way. But we have to move past it. We have to move forward. We have to create a better life for everyone. For those immigrating here. For those immigrating out of here. And for those enjoying life. And those holding on to life. World peace, isn't that an idea? But it's peace for who? Who are we creating the peace for? Are we creating peace for those who have enough money to enjoy it? Are we creating peace for those who just need water? World peace is not necessarily something we can obtain because there will always be someone on the side, other side fighting it. There's no war. World peace. War is a place where we can come together and share a water source without war. Come together and share borders without war. Come together and have no borders. Have no, that's mine. And rather have a very communal lifestyle where we share. Sharing is caring, people, but from a very young age, we already learn that sharing is hard. The last quote by Carl Rogers. The good life is a process, not a state of being. It is a direction, not a destination. What is good? What is life? But I really like that quote because I, I find myself in so many moments where life isn't good enough right now. Life isn't good enough tomorrow. It wasn't good enough yesterday. And I feel stuck. But at the same time, it's all the process. People continue to ask me if I'm scared or nervous about my move to San Francisco. I'm going alone, and I'm going 3,000 miles away. However, I don't see it as such a big move, but rather the next step on this grand plan of mine. And, and it isn't even a plan necessarily because I don't care if it gets derailed. I have enough confidence and security in myself that... Tomorrow can be a mystery, but I know I'll be able to figure it out. It's not even optimism, really, because I'm very pessimistic about a lot of things. But rather, it's a, it's a sense of security. A security 
of knowing who I am and how much I've learned in the last four years that gave me the confidence to make this decision, this decision to accept the job in San Francisco, the decision that I'm going to be okay, and we're all going to be okay, but we're not going to be okay alone. We have to not rely on one another, but to be able to take down our walls and ask for help. Say, hey, I'm in San Francisco. I'm struggling a little bit. And give that person a call that you need to talk to. To say that this is a weakness of mine. But I also have all these strengths. I have a hard time when it comes to... Well, a lot of things. But I do keep a level head and I do stay confident with my ability to connect with people. I do listen and I, I learn because you learn by listening, not by talking. I hope you learn something from this podcast and I hope you learn from the interactions you have with people. You're not in those interactions just to share your perspective or to tell someone about what you did yesterday, but rather to listen to their feedback and to hear their ideas and their opinions on a situation that you were in or a story that you told. If we go throughout this life having one-way conversations where we spend our entire time talking, what do we really learn? It may sound hypocritical because I'm doing a podcast where I'm talking to you the entire time and all you do is listen, but I do this to give you an outlet where I can be funny, I can be serious, and depending on my mood, I can be a little mundane, a little sad, a little thought-provoking. And that's kind of what I want to do today. Episode 15 will be a little more lighthearted, it will be a little bit more fun, but I was feeling in a mood, maybe it's because of Queer Eye, where... I wanted just to talk, to give you a moment to listen, to learn, to hear about some of the things that are happening in our world, whether it is amazing art in New Mexico, whether it is death, chaos and stowaways in Kenya, whether it is the idea of psychology and who we are and how we move forward with our lives, because there will be times when you are forced to take a step back. You will be pushed backwards and you will be moving backwards. It is that psychological limitation rather than your physical limitation. We can move forward. Whether or not you want to, there are people out there rooting for you. There are people out there who care about you. You can move forward and you can do it. You can make that decision to be confident in yourself. You can take that traumatic event and use its significance to move forward. We will be okay. You will be okay. And if anything, I'm here for you. This was the Deep Thoughts Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at DT Podcast 2019. If you enjoyed this episode, please like us. 
on Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star rating. Otherwise, follow us on Spotify. And feel free to direct message me on any thoughts that you have, any feelings that you're going through, or if you just want to order a t-shirt. We can make all those things happen. I'm here to listen to you. Thank you guys all for joining me today. This is episode 14. Peace.